and welcome everyone to what should be a really fun hour-long show as we take a look back at the University of Alabama's second half domination and really for the first time four really good quarters I mean there were some mistakes made in the first half but certainly only one punt in the game uh, which is very important it was the first drive Alabama played well for the rest of the first half offensively made some adjustments in the second half knocked out Josh Jaden Daniels pardon me and prayers to that young man hopefully Jaden Daniels is going to be okay because boy what a talent that young man is but the University of Alabama wins 42 to 28 by two touchdowns over the LSU Tigers takes another step there one SEC win away potentially against Kentucky and Lexington which will be an 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff early next week. Again, Lexington, Alabama, to clinch the SEC Western Division. Going to be a tough one because Kentucky's physical. Kentucky's a pretty good football team, so Alabama needs to be ready to go uh, and come down from these two emotional wins as they get revenge at home against Tennessee, get the bye, get revenge against LSU. Uh, and now they're going to take on the Kentucky Wildcats. But certainly, this is an Alabama team that continues to get better. And yet the exciting thing for me is they still got a chance to continue to improve. They haven't hit their ceiling, but the offense continues to get better. Seven really good quarters now put together. Tommy Rees calling his best game yet from start to finish. And Jalen Milrow, what have we said on BAMS radio? If he becomes a willing runner, how hard to defend is the University of Alabama? You saw that yesterday with his, with his MVP-level performance. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the offensive line. Uh, but we're going to bring in my two cohorts, of course, in the city of Mobile, Thomas the Wizard Watts. He's keeping us on the air, going to give us his takes, both analytically and just what he saw in this whitewash ass whipping. And then William Barger from 89 to 93, a national champion. And uh, also someone with his, his uh, ear to, to, uh, to the ground that really follows this program very closely, has a lot of insight as a former player. And I know he enjoyed watching the Swamp Thing, a.k.a. Jaden Roberts, uh, dominate Mason Smith yesterday. But first, we're going to talk about the Tide defense, who for the last nearly – it was nearly the entire half, really, if you want to talk about it, except for the first two and a half, three minutes of the third quarter where they gave up their last touchdown. They threw a shutout for the rest of the game. Dallas Turner made uh, – he and Terry on Arnold the two biggest plays of the game. Terry on Arnold, the tipped interception by Dallas Turner. And then Turner knocking out Jaden Daniels in the game. William, what a performance by the Alabama defense against the best offense they've seen all year. Yeah, and, and you know, Drew, I, I'll say this. I don't really know if that's the best complete offense Alabama's going to see all year. It's probably the best quarterback. They got two first-round uh, first draft picks at wide receiver. Um, and probably a couple of, of uh, you know, really highly drafted offensive tackles. I mean, if you, if you watch the game, and I noticed it more uh, this morning on the rewatch, I mean, they, they really, um, you know, stymied our pass rush. And, and, and you know, it's, it's such a difficult task for, you know, Kevin Steele and, and, and T-Rob and all those defensive coaches to, to deal with somebody that is a, is as elusive as as Jaden Daniels is, and also as accurate of a passer as he is, and and so you, you know and, and you know you want to talk about 
Jaden Daniels versus Jalen Milrow, you know, you're talking about somebody that's got 50 starts under his belt, if you count his time at Arizona State and LSU. You know, I, I'm not sure if Milrow's got 10 yet. Um, and, and so I, I just, uh, you know, I mean, we've all been critical of Jalen Milrow. Um, and, and, and I think I can only speak for myself, but, and, and this comes from high expectations. Maybe as I get older, I've lost patience, but, you know, what you saw in the second half versus Tennessee and what you saw last night is what I was expecting, you know, out of the gate, you know, against MTSU and Texas. Um, he, he has the opportunity and the ceiling to one day be Lamar Jackson. And, you know, Thomas and I were talking before you jumped on, Drew, about, you know, what, what you know, what's happened. And, and I really think with the fourth quarter or second half performance against Tennessee, you know, combined with the off week, and, you know, you got to credit, in my opinion, Nick Saban, Tommy Reese, and 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 Derek Dooley um, for maybe finally, you know, because th there's there's two things in life that I can personally attest to that are very very tough to overcome, and that's behavior behave behavior and mindset, and you know they, they, it's probably taken them this long to coach the you know you're going to be the next Tom Brady. Um, and you're not a dual threat quarterback out of Jalen Milrow. But I mean, when you watch the second half of Tennessee and uh, the, you know, take the first drive out of the equation, but, you know, three and a half quarters of the LSU game, you know, it, it, and, and I think there's a, a, three people that I'll identify um, Jalen Milrow, one, Jaden Roberts, two, and Jam Miller, three, that have come so far as players since the end of September. And I just, that's what I was telling Thomas. I think when you look at those three guys, I, you know, I think that's why we don't have to worry about Nick Saban retiring probably for five plus years. Cause I think that's the grease um, that keeps him going. I, I think, you know, watching these kids develop and improve really in a short amount of time, um, I, you know, I think that's the juice that, that keeps, you know, pumping through Nick Saban. And, you know, that's why we don't have to worry about him retiring anytime soon because he's done one hell of a job um, with where this team was. You know, let's just call it versus Texas. I'm, I'm not even going to include MTSU in the equation. Um, you know, if, if those three guys that I just mentioned um, with their performances, you know, had that team been capable – um, of, of playing Texas the way they played LSU last night, they'd have never have lost to Texas. But sometimes you need something like that Texas game to wake people up and, and make them realize that the stuff that you're preaching to them is the truth. And if they'll buy in, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking at a, you know, an early start next Saturday up in Lexington. You know, it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. But in reality, for people that live in Tuscaloosa, it's a 10 a.m. kickoff, and that's never fun as a player. Um, but, you know, they, they take care of business, uh, you know, in Lexington, and 
there's a lot of things left for this team to accomplish um, throughout the remainder of the season. Well, there really is. And uh, part of the things that have changed since that game against Texas has been uh, the Swamp Monster, as we were referring to him in the press room. Uh, Jaden Roberts, the redshirt sophomore, taking over at right guard. Uh, the offensive line has gotten better. Caden Proctor uh, had a nice game, uh, I thought, on Saturday. The offensive line as a whole, Roberts has kind of been the missing piece. There was one snap situation that uh, ended up uh, with the uh, – it was bad. Not I don't know if it was the quarterback or the center's fault, but, you know, to the credit of Jalen Milrow, he corralled it, still made a two-yard gain out of it. So I thought the offensive line played much better. And again, uh, I that's why I wanted to ask Roydell Williams about it, Seth McLaughlin. I mean, uh, it kind of reminds me, William, defensively back in the, you know, back in the 2014, 15, 16 years when Eddie Jackson went from corner uh, to safety and it was kind of the missing piece for Alabama defensively and everything kind of came together. Jaden Roberts seems to have done that. Uh, for uh, the Alabama offensive line. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's funny, Drew, because I saw the video of the picture that that you sent me or Thomas sent me of of Jaden Roberts. And I don't know if you and Thomas noticed this or not, uh, but when when you sent me the still shot, I noticed it. Uh, Look, look, you know, on y'all's phones while we're doing the show, pull the picture up. And look who's walking behind Jaden Roberts. I mean, a lot of Alabama fans probably don't even realize that the former head coach of the Florida Gators, uh, Charlie uh, Strong, uh, is is uh, walking behind Jaden Roberts. And if you put the distance that they're apart, Charlie don't even come up to the bottom of his shoulder pads. I mean, that's that's that, that's you know, I mean, Charlie's probably Nick Saban's height. Um, but no, man. I mean, it's you know, you know, fifty-two, seventy-seven, and sixty-five are absolute monsters. Um, you, you you won't find uh, better offensive guards and 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 an offensive t- right tackle like like sixty-five. Um, now I will say this: that Will Campbell that plays for LSU is the real deal. Um, now he does get credit for getting worked over by Dallas Turner. Um, and, and giving up the sack when, when uh, Jaden Daniels was knocked out of the game. But, no, that, that's been a big piece of, you know, why all of a sudden, uh, you know, Tommy Reese is looking so uh, successful as a play caller is, you know, since the, the Texas game, um, you know, the offensive line's gotten better. Milrow's gotten better. I mean, a lot of players on that side of the ball have gotten better. Well, that makes your job as a play caller um, that much easier, and especially when it comes to Milrow. You know, some of the stuff that they're doing with him now, or he's willing to do himself, um, and, 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 you know, the, the, the things that I like more than anything is when he, you know, when he rolls out to escape the pressure in the pocket and he gets into open space and, you know, he runs forward three or four yards and he gives the defense that, that, that pump with the ball like he's going to throw it. I mean, those guys in space are going to fall for that every single time. Uh, but but I do think that because of Jalen Milrose uh, and the offensive line's improvement, it's it's made Tommy Reese's job easier as a play caller uh, because if, if Jalen Milrow is a willing runner, 
Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a very difficult task. You know, look, look how, you know, difficult it was for a pretty damn good defense, um, you know, to slow down Jalen uh, Daniels. I mean, when you've got somebody with quarterback that can run and throw, um, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And uh, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, I, I, that, 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 you know, ball that was 10 feet over uh, Isaiah Bond's head uh, that was a gimme touchdown that, that Milrow missed on. I mean, I, I, I admit I exploded on him. I cussed. I didn't throw anything, but I did cuss oh. him. Uh, but then he comes right back and, you know, throws that wheel route to, to Jam Miller. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I take everything back that I said about <laughs> you. Um, so, yeah, but you know what? That, that's growth. That's improvement. Um, but, you know, I, you know, when you look at, um, you know, the way that, that, that Alabama's, you know, both sides of the ball have played. I mean, I think I saw a stat, and I may be off by seven points, but I'm close. But I think if you factor in the second half against Tennessee and the second half against LSU, they've outscored their opponents like 48 to 7. Oh, it yeah. might be 41 to 7, but it's no less than that. No, they've been a great second half team, and I'll do the same thing. I mean, first, I was proud of Milrow on the play because he climbed the pocket. And I knew he could have taken off. Then when you see how wide open Bond is, you just got to make the throw. But I've learned with Milrow, as I nicknamed him, Ebby Calvin, that every now and then Lelouch is going to, you know, hit the bull. And he hit the bull. (laughs) But luckily, like you said, and Saban kind of mentioned it in the press conference afterward, is that he's he's been telling Jaden, or excuse me, Jalen, pardon me, he's been telling Jalen, uh, because I was looking straight at the Swamp Monster, but he was telling uh, Jalen, just go, you know, worry about the next play. Don't dwell. And early in the year, he probably would have dwelled and let it affect him. Just don't dwell on it and continue to make plays. And he did. And I believe on that drive, he ended up running it in from 21 yards out. So just keep making plays and making yourself hard to defend. And he rushed for 155. He threw for 219. He actually basically. Uh, he 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 almost matched Jaden Daniels and ba- ba- really did because he account he account uh, uh, you know he uh, he uh, you know uh, he he ran for four touchdowns was the school record uh, and so he he uh, was able to account for four scores he didn't turn it over which J- Daniels did so in a way he slightly outplayed a great player and he finished the game while Daniels wasn't as fortunate so but he just he had his best performance and now hopefully they can build on it. It is a difficult uh, game with Kentucky coming up on the road, but it's one, if they're a championship team, they've got to handle it. They've got to be mature about it, and uh, they've got to beat the Wildcats, who have got some good players. So we'll see uh, what happens. But, again, just proud of the team, proud of the effort. And, Thomas, I was going to bring you into the conversation because I know uh, the performance at the line of scrimmage, especially the offensive line, was, I know, very eye-opening to everyone. And, and uh, of course, Milrow performing the way he did from start to finish. It was. And I mentioned to people after we recorded BAMS radio, if you remember, I said, listen to Brian Kelly's press conference on Monday. And we did a lot of pretty deep dive on the cornerbacks. But I fully admit I did not know about uh, Makai Wingo not being available. And that's on me. And the comment I made was, Jesus, if I'd known that, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Alabama by 10 to 14. 
And that's, you know, that, that kind of played out. The problem with LSU's defense, attack, trying to defend this Alabama offense, was they really had a pick-your-poison kind of thing where they, they could expose their cornerbacks and probably get lit up because Jalen Milrow has shown the ability to throw it deep. Or they could play zone and hope their run fits worked. And at the end of the day, they generally played zone and just blew their run fits. Now, part of that was Jalen Milrow stressing out the defense. And part of it was the Alabama offensive line absolutely kicking the LSU defensive line's ass for at least three and a half quarters. And, you know, suddenly here we go. You know, the Alabama offense, does it have this extra gear? Is a little more dynamic. The, the thing that I took from the game more than anything is that, you know, the team, as, you, as you've both said, is getting continuing to progress, continue to getting bet, get better. Now, I think a lot of people now assume that Jalen Milrow is going to throw for 200 and run for 100 against Kentucky or against Auburn in a few weeks, or should Alabama make it against Georgia in the SEC championship? Well, I, I hate to rain on everyone's parade, but those defenses are a ton better. <laughs> I'm sorry. A lot better than LSU. I mean, the LSU defense is an absolute disaster. I, I knew they were going to be bad, but they are embarrassingly bad If you, based off that performance and based off stuff that's happened in the recent past. So, you know, how does Alabama now handle this? You know, the Alabama's back and Coach Nick Saban is yada, yada, yada. It's going to be interesting against Kentucky. Um, I do think Kentucky – while being six and three is not exactly what I would call a statistical darling, (laughs) which is unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, but at the same time, I'm, you can't be anything but pleased with how the offense is playing, how the offense has continued to progress. And, you know, when we're looking at this, Alabama has a shot now against anybody. I, I don't, again, I don't really buy the Michigan hype. Uh, the more that comes out about that sign-stealing scandal, the more I think that they're a paper tiger. Um, again, and it helps that they've only played a grapefruit and a volleyball this year. We'll see what they're like in a couple weeks, but anyhow. And everyone else, you know, the, the, the best defense Alabama would see in the playoffs is Ohio State. But it would be strength on strength because Alabama and Ohio State want to attack you in very similar ways. But, again... Great, great win, wonderful performance. I think that uh, the folks that are killing Alabama's defense for not being able to handle Jaden Daniels, and Drew, here's your radio segue, um, are crazy because Jaden Daniels is a fantastic quarterback, and he's another one of those quarterbacks that has been in college for slightly less than forever, and – that's really, you know, that's the COVID year. That's, that's the red shirt and the COVID year interaction where you have these quarterbacks that have played 50 and 60 games. You know, Bo Nix, every time he starts another game, resets the most games started record. Jaden Daniels is in that same group. And so when you get a guy with that much experience, they're a nightmare to stop. But even having all that said, Jane Daniels had 300 total yards, and everybody, oh my God, rabble, 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 happy days, blah, blah, blah. And he has 300 total yards at the half. Well, Ole Miss finished with 478. And 
for those that can't do math in the back of the napkin, Alabama's defense cut the total yards they gave up in half. Now, part of it was Jaden Daniels was out, but the other part of it was LSU made a couple of mistakes, and the Alabama offense was able to really play ball control. And if you remember the thing we talked about last week, there is a world where Alabama controls the game, beats on LSU, and decisively wins, wins time of possession. Well, Alabama won time of possession 33 minutes to 26. They won total yards by, you know, 30, so not a huge thing. But the thing that was really key that, key, that really set all this off, Alabama was 11 of 14 on third downs. I've seen a lot of football. I can't remember a team being that good against air, let alone a defense, even let alone a top 15 or top 20 team period, even though the LSU defense is just that bad. That's unbelievably impressive. And onward to Lexington. You know, it's it's you know, it's it's gonna be fun. It'll be a different challenge, but I do think Alabama, you have to feel good where the tide is going on the road, Drew. Well, you do. I mean, I, it's not a super explosive Kentucky offense. They do have Barry and Brown. They've got, you know, Dane Key. they got some good receivers, but they're going to basically have to stop Ray Davis. And I think, William, I'll bring you back into this, but you talked about how, yeah, because we know that, uh, you know, uh, Devin Leary is not a mobile quarterback. This offense that they're running, this pro style with uh, Ray Davis, this should be the kind of running game that Alabama's front seven can excel against. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the way that, that uh, you know, the Alabama defense is built is, is, is to, or, you know, I'm not going to say stop, but, but slow down, um, you know, offenses that are still kind of more pro style than they are, you know, they're not going to see another quarterback like Jalen Daniels the rest of the the regular season. Uh, but but I do think that defense is built to stop all, you know offenses like Kentucky um, and and Georgia because um, they're they're a little bit more leaning towards the pro style stuff. Um, you know I mean I, I think Kentucky's you know probably going to score some points. But it's not going to be a lot of points. But, you know, I think if you go back to last night um, and, and you look at what they were able to do um, versus a guy going into that game, now it's probably not in the, the conversation anymore. But, you know, there were a lot of people, uh, you know, before 645 last night that were pumping Jaden Daniels for LSU as, as the leading, you know, candidate for the Heisman Trophy. And a guy that, what in the third game of the season was benched um, for, for poor performance uh, the week prior against Texas and Jalen Milrow. And that, that, you know, that's one of the, the more intriguing stories in college football for me um, is, is, you know, where Jalen Milrow was the third week of September versus where he was the second half of Tennessee and last night. I mean, I think that's a, a Tom Rinaldi uh, piece in itself. Yeah, I mean, this team has come a long way, no doubt. Bill Rowe, you know, he's got to keep stacking, but, you know, and I've never been rooting against him. I've just been, like everybody else, frustrated. But, you know, you've been frustrated with all, you know, every level of the offense at some point. I mean, you know, uh, it, it started out Bill Rowe and the offensive. Then it was the offensive line. Uh, the receivers have had ups and downs. 
the running backs have had ups and downs, but I think everybody's, you know, starting to grow into their role. Even Tommy Rees, and I asked, you know, Roy Dell Williams about that. Uh, he just said Rees has had a great game plan because people forget, uh, you know, William, even even coordinators have to get used to players and what their guys can and can't do. And you played the game, you practiced, you played in, you know, you were thrown in the fire. To me, and you can comment more on it than I can, but I, it, the games are different than practices. Practices uh, are you, they prepare you, but then when the bullets are flying, you see how guys react and you have to, to kind of gauge what your players can and can't do. And I think Tommy Rees, everybody was still mad at Bill O'Brien to start the season and kind of took it out on Tommy because they got off to a slow start and they had a young quarterback. But this offense, I thought it was fun to watch yesterday myself. Well, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, you know, as a player, whether you're at Alabama or, you know, UCLA, um, you know, once the season starts, um, you know, you have like two or three periods on a Tuesday, um, you know, where it's best on best. You know, it's usually an inside run period. It's, you know, you know, pass pro versus the, the, the first team D line. And, and, you know, maybe a plus territory period at the end of practice. But primarily, you know, once the season starts, you know, the offense is working against the scout team defense and the defense is working against the scout team offense. And so you, you, you don't really get – I mean, you get a look, but it's not a realistic look. Um, you know, Alabama doesn't have – three or four defensive linemen like Texas does on their scout team um, where they can get that kind of look. So, you know, it's, it's, it, there is, there, there is a adjustment period that goes on, you know, during the game. And, you know, that was one of my big frustrations, uh, you know, back in September when, you know, a lot of the Alabama fan base wanted to lynch, uh, you know, Tommy Reese for four, you know, poor play calling, uh, poor scheme, this, that, and the other. Well, if, if you hit the rewind button and you go back to the month of September, um, Alabama had a porous offensive line. I mean, they weren't good at pass blocking. They weren't good at run blocking. Um, you know, they had a quarterback that, you know, was struggling in the, the passing aspect of the game. And, 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 you know, I realize he's making, you know, $2 million a year, but, you know, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, to quote Gene Stallings. Um, but, you, you know, I, I think as, as this evolution continues, um, you know, Drew, I, I think there's still, you know, three or four different chapters left in the Alabama playbook, you know, that we haven't really seen yet. You know, now Tommy Reese has a competent offensive line. Um, he's got a developing, uh, you know, really improved quarterback. So, you know, that makes his job a little bit easier to call plays and come up with a scheme. And, and you know, you know, Milro, um, I, you know, I think that's the, the big topic, you know, as we sit here, um, you know, in the first Saturday in November. I mean, where he was, you know, mid-September versus where he is now, um, you know, nobody would have sat there 
two months ago, myself included, um, and, and, and would have said, well, you know, there's a chance that Jalen Milrow can, you know, outperform Jaden Daniels when, when Alabama plays LSU in the first full weekend of November. Well, he did. And, you know, the, the things that, that I'm seeing from Jalen Milrow now versus what I didn't see in September is he escapes the pocket. He yeah. improvises when he when he when he escapes the pocket. Um, he he makes plays with both his arm and his feet, and you know you just didn't see that. And so I still think it's a, a to be determined type situation. Um, they, they they still can incorporate Kendrick Lawmore. Oh, they I, still yeah. can talk. They can still target the tight ends more than two times a game. And, and, and there's probably other um, layers of that onion you could peel back. But, you know, you're seeing an offense that is gelling at, at really the proper time. And, you know, the, you know for, for the Alabama defense to be able to hold um, Jaden Daniels to, to 28 points or whatever it was, um, that's a win. So, you know, I mean, I think this coaching staff has done a tremendous job in player development um, and, 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 you know, coming up with ways on both sides of the football, um, you know, that they can do things well at. Um, you know, I, I, you know I, I woke up this morning, and, you know, early, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock, and I get on the Internet and come to find out that Dallas Turner is public enemy number one, uh, not just in the state of Louisiana, but but all across the country with his so-called uh, dirty hit on uh, Jaden Daniels. And I was like, you know, this is one of the reasons why I didn't want to have to play offensive line in college, but, you know, that's what I was only good enough to do. Um because, you know, that was a, you know, great play five years ago yeah. at, at every level of football. And and so, you know, for all the Alabama fans that are listening out there uh, to this podcast, I, I want to tell y'all a story about public enemy number one. Um, you know, back the first week in August, um, the outside linebacker coach, Coleman Hutzler, um, came into the offense, the outside linebacker meeting room, and he handed uh, brand new iPads out to all the scholarship outside linebackers. And you know, before you even go there, it's it, it, this goes on at every school, not just Alabama. Uh, the scholarship players do get treated a little bit differently than the walk-ons. Well, they had four walk-ons in that outside linebacker meeting room that didn't get brand new iPads. Um, fast forward to the next day, uh, Dallas Turner, you know, the public enemy number one for his so-called dirty hit yesterday, uh, walked into that outside linebacker meeting room and gave every freaking uh, walk-on, there were four of them, brand new iPads that he bought with his own damn money. And a former teammate of mine has two sons that are in that room. And the oldest one looked up at Dallas and said, what's this for? And Dallas looked at him and he said, 
that's so you can reach your full potential, whatever it is, just like the rest of us can. You deserve the same tools. And let me tell you something. That might be one of the coolest stories I've ever seen at the college football level that shows character and leadership. Well, and it's why this team is where it is. I mean, they, Coach Saban's talked about the makeup of it and the character and leadership. And Bill Rose certainly responded, as you mentioned earlier in the show, to his benching against South Florida. And the team didn't look very good in that game, but I think they grew a lot. And Bill Rowe has certainly gotten better, uh, especially in the last two weeks. And Tommy Rees is settling in. The offense is settling in. The only negatives from the game, in my opinion, were Alabama finally had a bad game from Will Reichert, uh, but they, they survived the 0 for 2, but I think he'll bounce back. Uh, certainly, I was surprised that he missed the two field goals, especially the second one, but from 43, but he, he's had some games like that before all kickers have, and he'll adjust. And then the two injuries, sounds like Deontay Lawson re-injured his ankle, uh, Jalen Key, uh, certainly is, uh, has a quad that's giving him some problems. So Alabama could have to rejigger their, their secondary against Kentucky. Wouldn't even surprise me if Carrion moved to the star, you know, Malachi to safety, and then you got Trey Amos on the field. We'll see. Uh, also, you'll probably see some of Christian's story. But, again, I just thought it was a, still a great performance from Alabama and should give the offense a lot of confidence. Defense still playing well. And I still think this is a good matchup against Kentucky. They just got to do a good job of slowing down Ray Davis. I mean, I you know, I, I think I saw the spread was 11 early, uh, 11, uh, you know, and uh, it may grow. It may stay around that same uh, time. You know, uh, I, I still – I would have Alabama covering right now, not by much, because I think I have respect for Coach Stoops and, and Kentucky. I, I would say somewhere along a, a – uh, for me, it would be like a – a 37-17 to 17 type game. I think Alabama can win by about three scores, uh, you know, or, or maybe a, you know, a 34-17 a, uh, a type game. But I do like Alabama in, in the game. I think they'll be able to score, especially if they continue to be this balanced offensively with this offensive line uh, playing well. Now, Kentucky's front is better than LSU's. Uh, but, uh, again, I still think Alabama can handle them. This is a mindset game, like Coach Saban said after the game yesterday. Now Alabama has to make a choice. You know, you got a chance to do some special things this season, and you can clinch one of the first goals, and and that would be the uh, the Western Division if you can uh, win in Lexington, Kentucky uh, next week. And so I'll go with 37-17. I think Alabama can get the win. I love the way Jam Miller is starting to assert himself in the running back room. Makes you even tougher to defend with Jace and certainly – uh, Roy Dell. And so I just really like this offense. Hopefully not black. will get some more touches next week. But I, I mean, I, I thought Ja'Cory Brooks might even see Ja'Cory in the game yesterday. So he didn't get a target. Uh, didn't look like to me, but Alabama still got Isaiah Bond. They've still got Burton and, you know, they've still got not black CJ Dupree. They've got guys, you know, no question. And Kobe Prentice that can make plays. And so I just like Alabama to win this game uh, and, uh, and win it handily. And, and clinch the Western Division. And then, of course, we know they'll have Chattanooga to end the home slate, and then you've got to go to Auburn. And uh, that's always interesting, but Alabama's got the better football team. But, Thomas, I'll go back to you. And any, any final thoughts on uh, the, the waxing of LSU? And then 
your thoughts? I know you've delved into some Kentucky some. Uh, you know, the the beat goes on. And I do want to say, I think LSU is in a fair bit of trouble. Um, I think the the win over Alabama last year has shown to be a little bit of fool's gold. I do think the LSU offensive line next year will be excellent. But I, I think this is kind of Brian Kelly doing the Brian Kelly thing, where he's going to have good to not great teams – and he'll reach out and he'll pop you. He'll pop somebody occasionally, but otherwise he's going to be fairly middling. And that's not going to get it done against Nick Saban in Alabama very often. But, you know, this, as I said before, Alabama's getting better. And that's all you can ask for. You know, this is, we've hit, uh, this sounds terrible, but we've hit peak Nick Saban, where Alabama is frustratingly frustrating in September. In October, it's like they, uh, they they get a little better. They get a little better. It's like, hey, this looks pretty good. There's some cool stuff here. We have some pieces, parts, et cetera, et cetera, that we can really get excited about. And then November rolls around, and if they're doing what Nick Saban generally does, it's like you just get a shot of nitrous in the engine, and here goes Alabama. Even looking at last year, the only difference was that Bryce Young got hurt, and so the shot of nitrous didn't come until the Iron Bowl. And then Kansas State getting absolutely shelled by Bryce Young and the Alabama team. So, you know, it's a typical Alabama team at this point. So here we go, buckle up. But let's talk about Kentucky. And there's a lot of stuff about this game that's kind of weird. So firstly, anytime Kentucky has played a team with a pulse, they have lost. And they have lost fairly brutally. Georgia beat them by 38 Missouri got them by 17. They did give Tennessee a whale of a game, which to me was Devin Leary, the Kentucky quarterback's best game of the year. But the defense as a passing group is fairly middling, you know, mid-60s. They're pretty good stopping the run. That'll be really interesting to see if the Alabama inside zone stuff, if Alabama is able to do enough to – establish that and stay balanced and, you know, keep, get, get going down there. But I don't think this, I don't think this Kentucky defense is going to be able to stand up for four quarters, even playing at home and even Alabama coming off an emotional game. The real issue to me is the Kentucky offense. You know, they're 91st in total yards per game, which, you know, you think, ah, Alabama's not very good there either. Well, Alabama is 64th. So, it's not like we're out here and it's the same offense with different personnel. It's not. And a lot of that rests on Devin Leary, a transfer quarterback, I believe, from NC State. He's got a 58% completion percentage, and he's not very mobile. You know, if you look at his sack, if you look at his rushing numbers, and I realize rushing numbers are kind of ridiculous over an entire season, he's got minus 22 rushing yards. Now, that's partially because of sacks, so there is that. But it's not like he's going to run all over the Alabama defense. And the Alabama defense has made a living off of feasting off of statues in the backfield. So, you know, it's not going to be a mush-rush kind of game. It's going to be something where your Dallas Turners and your Chris Braswells can turn it up to 11, and if third and long comes out, they're going to be screaming off the edge to try and get sacks. And 
oh, and then you think, well, Kentucky, can they run the ball? Well, they're 74th in the country in rush yards per game. you got to like Ray Davis. Ray Davis has 900 yards with a six-yard average. But a big chunk of that was he went for like 270 against Florida, some garishly large number. And then the next week, he was fairly middling against Georgia. And I think the Alabama defense is just flat-out better than Georgia's at this point. So, and that now that was on the road, so a little different circumstance. But I just think this Kentucky team is going to find tough sledding. Now, that all being said, I think that Alabama is going to come out a little bit flat in this game. They put a lot into the LSU game last night, and I actually don't have Alabama covering this one. Um, I think it'll be close to a cover. The over-under is 48, which means Vegas thinks roughly 30 to 18. You know, 30 to 19 or something like that, you know, right in that area. So I think that Kentucky, I think Kentucky will get this cover. I don't think it'll be very close. I think it'll be one of those games where Alabama feels in control throughout, but the scoreboard's kind of uncomfortably bizarre. I have Alabama 33-24 in this one. I do think Kentucky will be able to do a few things and get some things done, but it's not a great matchup stylistically for the Wildcats. And if not for this LSU game being, you know, forcing Alabama to play at a very, very high level, and you're suddenly going to get some of that, you're going to get an ocean of rat poison this year, I think Alabama covers this game. But given some of the circumstances surrounding it, I do expect a little bit of tough sledding, a little bit of sleepwalking, but this is still a team that Alabama should beat and beat handily. Now, what does a destruction look like? Uh, Devin Leary, who played very well against the Tennessee Volunteers, plays like he played against the Georgia Bulldogs. And the Alabama run defense stiffens. And Alabama is just frankly able to lean on Kentucky. And then Leary throws a pick or two. If, if a couple of turnovers, this game goes from nip and tuck, you know, Alabama's not going to cover, to two or three touchdowns in the blink of an eye. But... I don't really like it when you're thinking, oh, they're going to, you know, if if the premise of your pick is a team is going to generate turnovers, you have to have a pretty solid statistical streak for that. And it's not like Leary is throwing, you know, 25 interceptions through the first, through the first what, nine games of the year. But Alabama wins, clinches the West, and uh, come home for a cupcake and then prepare for that trip to that damn voodoo hellhole in West Georgia. And uh, then... <laughs> Then, then we have to go to East Georgia to play in that voodoo hellhole. So, you know, it's a hellhole-based next few weeks, Drew. Well, it is. And before I get Williams' prediction and, and final thoughts, really, I, I'm just going to say Alabama's got to keep their head down. they got to get this job done. They, I think the keys are going to be, you know, to continue what you're doing offensively with balance and rhythm. Uh, I, Kentucky will want to run it. So have the, the time of possession be almost even to close. As we, or excuse me, Thomas just said, win the plus minus like they did yesterday. Have Milrow be sharp. Don't turn it over. Uh, and I think Alabama can wear Kentucky down. I think they can make, I think hopefully this time they'll make some big plays. They didn't make any vertical big plays as far as uh, with the passing game, but they did with Milrow's feet. So I think they can get the job done. Like I said, I'll say 37-17. Have them covering late. Uh, that, you know, because right now it's 11 points. I I think Alabama will pull away in the fourth quarter. They've been a second-half team all year. Bounce back from, you know, Riker, make a couple free field goals, 
get his confidence back, you know, be solid in the kicking game. And even if they're without Key and, and Deontay Lawson, I think, you know, Trez Marshall, uh, you know, certainly Jihad, hopefully Kendrick Blackshire, these guys can step up. Then, you know, like I said, Trey Amos, uh, you know, Malachi Moore, potentially Christian Story. They've got some guys that are older that can uh, step up and make plays. Uh, and I'll just say this. If Alabama can get this dub, uh, you know that uh, you got a great chance of playing Georgia. Georgia, uh, they, they, these Georgia fans act like they've beaten Alabama, you know, six or seven years in a row. Alabama's seven and one against them. You know, Georgia beat Alabama in the fourth quarter of the 2001, two, excuse me, 2021 National Championship game. Just, just like injuries played a role in Alabama winning yesterday, they played a role in Alabama losing when they lost, you know, Mechie and Jamo. Was Alabama the better team when they were healthy? Yes, but unfortunately they weren't. And, you know, tick turds like Jaleel Worthless and Ajay Moron and Javon Baker, uh, you know, none of them stepped up. So Alabama didn't get that W. Georgia won the fourth quarter. They were losing at the end of the third. They've won. They've beaten Alabama one out of the last eight. So uh, they got the, they got the best of both worlds last year. They repeated and they didn't have to play Alabama. Hopefully Alabama will seal the chance to have a really good shot at playing them in Atlanta after next week. But Alabama's got to take care of business first and then uh, continue to win games and and set themselves up for bigger goals to try to win an SEC title, whack Kirby's ass. And then, you know, move on to the, the college football playoff potentially. But you just got to keep taking it one game at a time. And hopefully Alabama can do that. William, what's uh, your final thoughts on? Well, I guess if you have any final thoughts on the, the LSU win and then looking ahead to Kentucky. Well, I mean, you know, my, my biggest concern is, you know, the early kickoff. I mean, that that's a that's a tough road for um, the visiting team to, to overcome right out of the gate because, you know, they want to feed you four hours before uh, kickoff, and you know they want you to be at the stadium three hours before kickoff, and you know, it, it's a tough road for the players. But I, you know, I think that you know Alabama's defense is, is built to stop um, you know programs like Kentucky and, and Tennessee that you know think they can line up and, and and run the ball down your throat with their with their running backs. You know, and they don't have a, you know, a dual threat quarterback like Jaden Daniels. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I've seen this play out over, you know, a hundred times. Um, you know, I think there's probably going to be a, a sluggish factor, <clears throat> excuse me, um, for Alabama versus Kentucky. But, um, and, you know, I think your your total, you know, kind of sounds pretty good. I, I would say. Uh, you know, 36 to 17 max. I mean, I don't see them scoring, um, you know, any more points on Alabama than that. And, and, but, but, you know, you might see a, you know, an offensive output that's better than that from, um, you know, the improved Alabama offense, if they can get the stuff rolling. Um, But, you know, to me, that's the thing that, I think Nick Saban excels at is, is, you know, dangling that carrot out there of, you know, Hey, if, if you go do this, this is what the result's going to be. And, and, and the result's going to be is, um, you know, you're going to, you know, Atlanta um, to play Georgia, you know, for the SEC championship game. And um, you know, that that's what is out there in front of this, 
you know, 2023 Alabama football team and, and what's at stake Saturday up in Lexington. Yeah, no question about it. It's going to be very interesting. The recruiting, uh, you know, fallout from this win is to Solomon Williams, the, the edge from Tampa, Florida, had a great time. You know, I know Daniel Hill. I don't think he made the visit from Meridian, but Alabama's going to get a running back. They had, uh, you know, uh, Kawan Lacey on campus. Uh, he's a guy from the state of Texas, and they've had good luck with Texas running backs, Jan Miller, Jace McQuellen. Uh, you know, you you think about it. They've, they've done a good job recruiting uh, the Lone Star State and getting good players out of there. So we'll see ultimately, you know, what happens with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, and it looks like they've got a new outside linebacker target or linebacker target period. Darius Hayes from Largo, Florida. He's committed to Florida, but we know the Gators laid a turd yesterday, losing 39-36 to uh, Arkansas. So we'll see. Uh, But, again, recruiting, we'll start focusing more on it, you know, as the regular season winds down and going into the last month. Alabama's only got six or seven spots left. Ryan Williams reclassifying at Sarah Land at wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of them, of course. And and then, you know, they've also got, uh, you know, they, they'd like to get another linebacker uh, like this kid. Uh, Hayes could potentially be that guy. Solomon Williams, they'd like to get an edge. They'd like to get, to get, get two defensive linemen. They had some on campus. They'd like to get Jordan Seaton, the offensive tackle. As I said, a running back. So And then they're going to go portal heavy. I think they're going to, they're going I'd say, maybe even get, north of five guys out of the portal if they can. And uh, I thought one of the funniest exchanges, William, on the field after the game was Nick Saban telling Aaron Anderson, man, you would have been playing more here than you are there. And in other words, why did you leave? He was he was the one guy that they didn't want to leave. And he got called for, a you know, a crackback block on Terry on Arnold. Luckily, Terry on was okay. But, uh, you know, he's he would be playing at Alabama, but he moved back to LSU. So, but again, I, I think uh, – Everything's looking positive. Our basketball tips off tomorrow. Moorhead State. I'm going to try to be there. Hopefully, very, very likely on press row. I'll have a report uh, basketball wise next week on Bams. Uh, Alabama, you know, dropped a couple of exhibition games, 85-81 to a really good TCU team, and then uh, they dropped a uh, tough one on the road at Wake Forest. We talked a little bit about that last week, 88 to 80. But I think they're they're just exhibition games, though. Alabama didn't have all their guys, especially point guard Mark Sears. So We'll have some more intel into basketball. Uh, I think, you know, just be uh, aware in the coming, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, about Nas, uh, Nas Cunningham. You know, uh, he's a basketball player. He was on campus this weekend. A top 60 player, a swing man. I think he's going to commit to Alabama soon to go with uh, Aiden Sherrill. And Alabama's still recruiting five-star Darion Reed uh, from Prolific Prep, Sherrill's teammate. They're still, uh, you know, they had a point guard on campus. Uh, no doubt about that. Who's a really good player uh, in Travis Perry. We'll see if they decided if they push for him. I know they'd like to at least sign three guys in the early period. And then Nate will probably use the transfer portal in the spring to kind of fill out the class. But it's going to be, uh, you know, a very interesting season now. Now the real season begins for me because I said if Alabama beat LSU, they had everything in front of them. They put themselves in that position at eight and one now. This is when it gets really fun. The weather's cold. The games mean a lot. And uh, we're going to have a lot of great things to talk about, uh, you know, on BAMS radio. So we appreciate all the support. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, for Thomas the Wizard Watch, for William Redfish Barger, I'm Dirty Armand. Uh, we will talk to you next Sunday, hopefully revisiting a huge win on the road at Kentucky. 
and a berth in the SEC championship game in Atlanta in early December. But for everybody, uh, have a great rest of your Sunday. Good night, everyone, and roll tide.